This is the Austin ISD X podcast. X as an ex officio or unofficial. This is our hot take and reflection. We're recording this on February 27th. We're going to talk about the district's handling of the snowstorm that shut down our state last week and canceled classes. We're also going to bring you updates and changes in the staffing in Austin ISD. First, I want to bring in Candace Hunter to talk about an issue at Martin Middle School. Welcome, Candace. Thank you so much. Martin Middle School is located in Southeast Austin. And those of you who are keeping score, that is in District 2. Teachers, parents, and students say that HVAC is not fixed. Now, for some time previously, they had a blower in the parking lot. And reportedly now, they have a new system. Y'all know that temperatures in Texas are extreme. Look at last week. And if there was ever a time that the ventilation needed to be on point, it's during a pandemic whose virus is airborne. I'm wondering why the district has taken so long. The 2013 bond specifies the following. Replace the HVAC system, test and balance air handling unit, replaced air handling units. Now, according to the Google, air handling is the process that involves modifying your existing HVAC system. You want all your components of the HVAC system working in harmony so that there aren't super hot spots and super cold spots. What's going on with that bond money? Was it spent on replacing the HVAC or was it like the rumor mill is churning replaced with parts from a unit from another facility? Nobody has to show me anything. I don't need the receipts, but the trustees should definitely ask to see the bills of lading, shipping manifests for parts. Heck, they need to even see each work order that has been done since 2013. What is needing to be repaired over and over and over? Now, what I do hear from inside the school is that there are still those cold spots and hot spots. That tells me that it is not fixed. So the official position of the of the district is that everything is installed at Martin Middle School is new. Um, they also they also told people fair to good condition, and I'm not interested in that wordplay really. I'm interested in what you what you ended your comment on. Uh, Candace, and that said, it's fixed and it's working, and it can establish a comfortable environment that kids have in order to focus on learning, right? And and it's an equity issue because it, it goes back to what's mm-hmm. been going on in this district for forever now, which it feels like some people get new HVAC and some people get refurbished, cannibalized parts that have to be, mm, you know, PR'd as new uh, or in good condition. Uh, but in the end, it just needs to work. So let's try to make it work. Um, this was something that was going on before the snowstorm. It's something that's going on before the pandemic. Um, but I think that we need Martin Middle School to have a, a comfortable learning environment, and that's the bottom line. Um, so I want to go back about how the state was shut down in classes uh, last week and how the infrastructure, uh, you know, wasn't able to handle the snowstorm. That was pretty epic regulatory favor. It shows how dependent we are on infrastructure and how, you know, if it's poorly managed, what happens. Um, I do think that the uh, district's decision to canceling classes was the right thing to do um, Monday and Tuesday. I, I mean, like this past week where uh, people are maybe some people are in disaster recovery, but some people still didn't have running water. So this this past Monday and Tuesday, when classes were also canceled, um, you, know, you know, after the thaw, I think was also the good decision. I think a lot of I think this was like a, a reopening um, debate. I say reopening debate in the context of the pandemic, but like a, a microcosm of the reopening debate for reopening after the snowstorm where people were like, well, my school's fixed. 
my <laughs> my my house is good my run my water's running my lights are on open the schools and it's like so obvious and glaring that we need to understand that we're trying to move forward together as a community so um we when we can move forward we need to make sure that we're doing so with the the people who are least disadvantaged in mind and that's the equity lens that this district says they're doing uh, says they practice and i think they did and i, I want to give them kudos for that um so candace what, what kudos do you have for the district i applaud their snow vid response as a whole um they gave us heads up like hey we see what's happening we know what's going on and we are working on it and then i it was followed up by hey okay here's the plan so far and then we get that final official draft of the plan that says, hey, here's what we're going to do. It could change, but this is how we're moving forward. We're thinking about you. And what we've been doing this whole time is centered around the children of Austin ISD. I appreciate that. My phone blowing up. I mean, I get the phone calls, the emails, and the text. I do not mind. What I mind is having a long period of radio silence when something major is happening in our community. And then I get this half-ass plan, and then it's like, wait, that won't work. So I thank you, Austin ISD. I like what the district did, and I want to see more of it. I agree with you. Clear, consistent messaging up until Sunday night. Um, the teachers hear what the community hears, right? Teachers are often in the community, uh, have their kids go to school here. Some teachers live outside the district, but Everybody's hearing what what AISD is communicating to the to, to, to the communities and the families. So then, when teachers hear that there's no school on Monday, I think it's natural to assume that you don't have to come into the building, especially when they told you that the buildings aren't all ready to open up and they're still assessing them and it may not be safe. Running water, electricity, internet—none of the things you need to survive, much less teach. So on Sunday night, they communicate to principals, and principals turn around and communicate to the teachers that they got to come in on Monday. And a lot of teachers are like, what are you talking about? Because uh, teachers themselves are dealing with getting stuff back to normal at their own home and making sure their own families are, are fed and, can, and have access to clean water. So I just think they scrambled and said, oh, what we meant was, if you can't come in, let your principal know. And I'm like, still, um, you're going to make it. I mean, like, I think it should be easy for a teacher to say, no, thank you. I can't come in. I got to take care of my stuff here at home, make sure everything's good, you know. Um, but that shouldn't be a hoop you make the teachers jump through when you already canceled school. So I'm not sure what communication went down Sunday night, but it was last minute. It was not consistent with the communication that happened with, um, with, with, with families and the community that teachers are here. And, and it really puts teachers in a difficult position where they shouldn't have to turn you down to say that they need to take care of their own families and their own homes first. And there's nothing wrong with that when you cancel classes because the district's doing the same thing. They're evaluating their own facilities. So up until that point, they were doing well. Why are we treating teachers like that? It makes me question what kind of uh, work environment there is there at the district, maybe central and then leadership and then putting it on principles like that to, to tell their teachers one thing and then have to tell them another, like that's trickle down toxicity, right? And it starts from that centralized position. It makes me wonder, and that has nothing to do with the topic that we're gonna talk about next. I'm not saying it's non sequitur, I'm just saying this is just news, right? So here's the news. Um, Dr. Angela Ward, the Administrative Supervisor for Race Equity in the Social Emotional Learning Department 
of Austin Independent School District, who's also in charge of a lot of grants that she was able to win to do the work that she was doing, who spoke with us. Uh, so please check out her episode and talk to us. And someone who I know is doing great work, she is leaving the district. Okay, that's just news. Here's, uh, I'm gonna come back to Dr. Ward, but we'll just, in, in, the, in the sake of news, continue the list of people who have left. James Butler, Austin ISD, mm. a social emotional learning, mindfulness specialist, specialist, who also spoke with us earlier, um, listen to his episode, he's leaving. So that's a loss. Um, Shane Wally, Z is the community equity and inclusion coordinator at Austin Independent School District. Z also uh, led the equity summit that Candace and I, that you and I, Candace, participated in. Mm -hmm. um, and Z is someone I wanted to talk to uh, who is doing good work here in the district for us. Uh, Z is leaving. Also, just as we sat down to record, Candace, we find out that Dr. Hickman, mm -hmm. uh, Austin ISD special education director is also leaving. Um, so that's a lot of people. And I, I wanna <laughs> circle back to Dr. Ward because I think it's a, a red flag. In the context of everybody else, in the context of what's going on, I think it's, um, troubling and, and here's and let me tell you why when we as a district passed the school closures in November of 2019 uh, 2018 sorry I gotta get that right it was 2019 mm -hmm. when we as a district passed the school closures in 2019 that was part of other policies that we put into place among them was expansion of the cultural proficiency and inclusion department that Dr. Ward single-handedly built um, and the community supported her uh, in that department, told the district that she needed staff. She finally got some staff. She was putting on workshops that community members could take part in. I got lucky enough to be a part of that. Uh, she is nationally known for being um, an expert in equity work, in cultural proficiency, and training teachers, training staff. And that's what she was doing here at our district. And so, um, you know, I can understand people deciding to leave the district when there's a leadership change. I can understand when people decide to leave because of the pandemic and the working conditions, either in the spring or this fall, to stay through all of that. And then, you know, leave at this moment. I think that's part of the context too. She's doing what's best for her and her family. And I respect that and honor that. So I wish her the best. I really want the district to learn from her departure because we're losing an expert. We're losing someone who's doing great work. And it's not consistent with me. Um, it's not consistent, to me, it's not consistent with the priorities and the policies that we put in place, right? And so I need the district, here's my call to action, right? Here's my call to action for the people who are listening. Um, we're, we've been using a lot of titles and, and terms um, for these people's uh, roles in the district. So let me just try to make it simple. These are people who focused on educating the whole child, um, mm -hmm. understanding that it's not just uh, standards and knowledge and skills and teaks, that it's, that it's understanding a, a child's identity, a child's mental health, and supporting teachers in schools so as to create an environment that fosters an understanding of a student as a person, as a whole person, and to make that part of the pedagogical approach 
to teaching all the other standards. These are people who were expert at that and expert at training teachers and making that happen in our district. These are people who worked in departments that were uh, identified at, for expansion and policies voted on by the board to make it happen and it hasn't happened. So what I need the people to do is the board is going to adopt a budget. The budget is coming up. So the budget needs to reflect the values of the community. The budget is a moral document and needs to reflect what we've wanted and what we've asked for and what frankly the trustees have already passed into policy, okay? So it's more than just filling the positions that are open because these people have left. It's fulfilling the promises that Austin ISD made to the community and fulfilling the priorities that we want put into practice and that have been voted on into policy, making that a reality. Please make sure you reach out to your trustee, to the school district, so that the budget reflects what we want, which is more of the good work these people were doing, why they are leaving is, is, is an important question, in order to learn from the answer to that question, I think we need to make sure that our budget reflects our priorities and our values, and that is educating the whole child. Okay, Candace, I need to take a breath. Take over for me. Oof. Well said. Nope, I don't need to say anything else. Join us next time when we speak with Babu and Ellison Blake about their book, Elle's Mira and Babu's work in Austin ISD. And as always, to continue the conversation, please remember to like, follow, and share.